Hey guys, this is Brandon Pham. While you guys are listening to this week's episode, be sure to check out our partners, 80.LV's website. They have awesome articles like Destruction Simulation Tips and Tricks, where Powell Rokowski discusses work with Houdini and explains the workflow for the production of high-quality 3D destruction simulation. There's also an awesome article about creating complete terrain shaders for Unity 5, where Adam Goodrich have released a new environment production tool which they have been working on for the last six months. Those are the one of the few articles that is available on 80.lv. Be sure to drop by and say hello. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all over the globe, the world, if you're in a spaceship, car, house, I don't care where you are, this is Game Dev Unchained. I'm Larry Charles, one half of the podcast team that brings you this amazing video game development podcast every Tuesday, dang it, rain or shine, and I couldn't do it alone. I'm here with the 2017 Connect Four champion, and he won with three checkers, Mr. Brandon Fam. What's up, everybody? Here to connect you and Game Dev Unchained with our special guest this week, Colin Vogel. Woo! How you guys doing? Glad glad to be here again. Seriously, man. Long time no see, buddy. mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Colin, you've been on the podcast before. uh, So, Liz, longtime listeners know who you are. But for the new listeners, do you mind just quickly, quickly, quickly going through your resume just to give an idea of where you came from? why we should care all that stuff (laughs) well i don't know i I guess 17 year vet um started out at 2k sports uh went to sega and then did 2k marin again to work on bioshock 2 and then i spent the last five years on the uh, skylanders franchise so um yeah as an environment artist, I did uh, levels and whatnot for those games. <laughs> oh, nice. So you, you mentioned five years, uh, and mm-hmm. people who read the uh, title of this episode, you know, you, you're taking a break, right, from the industry. You're 17 years in, you're taking a break. Mm-hmm. What are you doing now? Oh, man, I originally thought I was going to take just a little bit of time off and then actually get rolling on my comic book that I've always wanted to do or like personal projects. And instead I have been doing nothing but house improvements. (laughs) And uh, I don't know, it's been kind of cool. I mean, I'm learning how to, you know, install all sorts of stuff I would have never done, you know, like sinks and tile and uh, God. Yeah. Just, um, I did a fence the last few days. <laughs> so let me get this straight, man. You traded making fantastic game worlds, working on video games to do house chores. Yes. <laughs> to doing it in real life. You're building environments. Dude, okay, so this is going to be a good-ass story. <laughs> I got to hear the details. <laughs> it sounds like you're retired, dude. Seriously. That's like a retirement life. Doing contract, okay. doing, doing uh, you know, housework. I mean, it definitely feels like I'm living a little bit and actually having time to do, like my mom, she was funny. She's like, oh, I never thought of doing, or I'd be seeing you doing this sort of stuff or like handyman stuff. <laughs> and I told her, I was like, I think it's just because I finally have the time to do it. Like, so, but yeah, it's been a blast, man. I have not really been missing the industry at all. Mm-hmm. yet and it's been like what five months um mm-hmm. 
uh, yeah, I really can't wait to just start drawing again. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you were in the Bay area. Where are you now? Uh, right now I'm up in Bend, Oregon and, um, God, I'm loving the nature up here. I mean, it doesn't really feel like a small town, but it's definitely a lot smaller than the, the Bay. That's for sure. <laughs> mm. Is there a reason why you, uh, you moved up there and everything? Uh, uh, yeah, we just knew that we had to stay near the bay because Brittany's family is there, uh, my soon-to-be wife. But um, hey, yep. hey. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was uh, about this. I'm not quite sure, but it was like we're not doing Arizona. We're, I mean, Utah's beautiful, but not really. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to move there, and uh, we just landed on Bend, and. Um, I was kind of shocked that it's like a mini Tahoe minus the casinos. I like to say. Oh, you know? man, I was gonna say if you got what I know is fun about Tahoe. I was like, you sound like you got a pretty sweet lick, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Tahoe has a weird feel to it though. But this has more of a laid back. We got a nice river to flow down and more nature. And <laughs> yeah. got it. So walk walk us through your your mindset like months before you actually decided to to move to Oregon and and do mm-hmm. all this. Like what was seventeen years in, right? What was the mm-hmm. moment where you're like at least starting to think about? It? Haven't done it yet, but at least starting to think about. Eh, maybe I'll take a break. Uh, I'm gonna say about what is it? Uh, about twelve years in, I was like, it's time for a break. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, luckily, that's when I found um, Toys for Bob. But otherwise, yeah, I was I was ready to take a break right, right there. And luckily, <laughs> it worked out this way, I guess, because my house definitely got a little more, you know, equity. equity or whatever you want to call it, going in that area. So that worked out nicely. Oh, nice. Equity is a really good word in the game industry and in homes. I, I, I feel like if you have equity, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> oh, man. I highly recommend everybody, man. If you can, get, get property if you can. Uh, so, Colin, uh, when did you uh, get into comic books? Where did this come from? To be pretty confident uh, after 17 years in the industry to go to Oregon and start drawing? And uh, I guess after working in the industry and everything, I do love the simplicity to some point where you're not really dealing with like committees and everything. It's kind of like, hey, whatever you think is cool and fun, you know, and whatnot, just try to, you know, have fun with it and yeah. make your product. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, yeah. I definitely agree with that, man. Like, yeah. Uh... I'm finding it. I'm not 17 years in at all. Like, but the more, like at first when I started, I thought, you know, uh, you know, uh, designing by committee is true, but I felt like, Oh, you know, once I become more senior more lead, I, I get more of a say in things. But uh, the more I find out is like, man, there's always one guy ahead of me as, <laughs> as like managing me. <laughs> it's like, how do I ever get, there's always like an inner, inner, inner circle the higher you climb. And unless you own the studio, it doesn't feel like I'll ever reach that point where like, and I also feel too, that once probably studios get really big, that's where the committee then even moves out of house. Yeah. That's like, yeah. all right, this is no longer your game. Yeah. It's when the you Excel know, sheets come down from high and tell you what your game is, how you're making it and when it's due. Yeah. 
your cult classic is going to be a, a spreadsheet. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, it's funny how it works that way, but um. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something I'm I'm finding more and more about the longer I stay in the industry. Well, this actually brings up one point is I have a lot of people randomly asking me like, hey, you know, what do I need to do to get, a, you know, become an environment artist or this and that? And I tell them straight up, I'm like, if you're highly creative, <laughs> talented, you know, you love to draw, model all this, you know, um, you understand composition, color theory, everything. Don't be an environment artist in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Do that for fun because when you're a designer, that's where you get to make, or at least I've noticed, you get to make a lot more of those choices. And yeah. um, it's kind of like as an artist, you know, you kind of become a little bitter because you're like, man, I grew up doing all that and now I can't do it. Yeah. At a yeah. Studio, even though I got hired to do it. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's an unfortunate reality that i feel like if you're really passionate if you want to stay a little sane like you know, yeah stay away from the environment route if possible it definitely helps to to work in smaller teams or even like uh start your own thing oh, i mean yeah. it, the, op- that, the options definitely widening up but uh it's not that stable where everyone can just go ahead and, and do that so <laughs> not everyone has equity so (laughs) so let me ask this question here when did you first notice that you were starting to get to the point where you were even thinking or considering like hey man this might not be it you know yeah you said 12 years in what happened what happened Colin? (laughs) (laughs) just the same thing happening over and over again there was a junior who got promoted and like told him what to do one day and he was like you know what that's it that is it <laughs> well i feel that's a good question though to let people know that every place is different you know i mm-hmm. mean at the 12 year mark that was more like we were just getting worked uh way too much with um like if we actually mm-hmm. had results or like a cult classic or something cool coming you know it'd be like all right all this time and effort is worth it but when you realize it's getting thrown away or done by people with you know <laughs> i guess i'm not gonna yeah. go too deep into it but uh yeah that's when you kind of just become a little you know depressed you're like what the hell am i doing here i can be depressed anywhere else you know <laughs> working at yeah, yeah your job so uh even now right now i mean up here i'm like i mean i'm definitely gonna attempt freelance or work with a buddy contract but i'm like if that doesn't work out i could easily see myself happy doing something else at this point you sound pretty so, set, man. You sound pretty. Well, I hate to secure. say it, but that is kind of a little bit of a, an unfortunate diss to the game industry. But I think that's kind of the, the reality, you know. I mean, yeah, they got to definitely make some changes or something at some point. Well, just seeing, um, at least for people who go on vacation uh, once in a while, and getting a little taste of what having those eight hours every day back to yourself is like, it's very hard to go back to that lifestyle, right? Sit behind a desk and (laughs) do something and get thrown away. You know, I got to ask you guys really quick. Do you wake up earlier now and go to bed earlier? uh, (laughs) Well, I wake up at six all the time. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel like for yeah. me now, I'm up super early to just start doing fun little random Damn. Projects. You know you made the right decision. 
Like you look forward to it. As soon as I quit yeah, work, I was able to get up on time and had a great <laughs> long day. <laughs> I just love to do too. I'm like, oh man, I would never think to like redo a kitchen cabinet, you know, with like wood from a fence or something from outside. But it's just all these fun little. <laughs> yeah, you're just experiencing uh, life. So you you never done any uh, contractor work before, right? Oh no, I. God, um, it was funny when I had a drill, like even my first hole in the tile, I broke five, you know, drill bits just to, you know, attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all, yeah. It's, funny. Yeah, it's turning out all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, having all that time back, you're enjoying your, your man, I, I'm just going to say that you're retired. <laughs> For you to be even the, even say, oh, I'll just do something else. I mean, that's pretty much retirement, man. It's not like a survivor thing anymore. It's like, yeah. It's, yeah, well, it Hang was out. survival at some point. I mean, I do still love to draw and create, so that'll right. never go. Um, at some point when I do throw my hat back in the mix, I mean, I'm going to attempt to step it up and see if I can you know, do creative director, art director. There you go. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, for now, God, I'm just enjoying myself. I'm going to keep my skills up, obviously, mm-hmm. and learn other trades, which is super fun to do, and I highly recommend other people do it. So going back to the moment then where you know that like, okay, now it's time for me to leave and take this break. There was a time in that break where you're like, no, I'm going to do this for real and I'm just not going to go back. So were there some things that you had to change in order to make your hiatus become permanent or did you just, you were so set up and had things in place already that it was just, you were able to fall into it because Uh, all the safety nets were already there. You know what I mean? Was there uh, any sort of adjustments or burning bridges? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I do definitely feel fortunate to have a safety net, you know, but I definitely took time saving up with that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, also my soon to be wife, you know, I mean, that's another fortunate safety net where she also has a career and works. And uh, her company, thankfully, let her work remotely. Oh, nice. Nice. Nice little cute, you know, veterinary place. Um, I see how this works now. Well, yeah. <laughs> hey babe so i'm gonna retire okay uh just, you know. you're still good okay awesome <laughs> but yeah thankfully you know but i've always like i said I, I don't know if i mentioned this in the last podcast but you know the first month or year i was in the game industry i knew that i wanted to save up and take time off to do my own projects i yeah. knew i would never <laughs> have time um yeah to do it with a full-time job and so it was definitely uh yeah slow gradual build up for a small hopeful couple months but this is definitely turning out more than i expected Mm -hmm. the bend is nicely cheap and uh affordable (laughs) you live like a king so, like, uh, obviously, you were responsive enough doing all their finances. All right, we'll I'll move. We'll move to Oregon. We'll have a couple of months figure the shit out, and then now it turns to five months. And so, what what was that transition like? Like, finally, just sitting there and thinking about things, reflecting. It's like you know what you know. Staying in the industry for a lot of people, if it isn't for the big projects, it's just to to stay afloat, right? Yeah. I feel like a lot of a lot of developers just just go to the job. And it turns like uh, like any other job, you know. I don't I don't want to work at another place. I rather work here. But even though I'm not having fun, it at least pays the bills, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, God, that brings up a great point is I was always scared to leave. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to burn through this cash so quick. And that's not true. I mean, you get out there and you realize that, yeah, you can definitely go a long way in a cheaper area than the Bay mm-hmm. for a lot longer sure. and enjoy yourself and I mean, I always joke about this, but in the Bay, the most I saw was a a car with a mountain bike rack on it. (laughs) And up here, I see nothing but trucks and cars with like, you know, kayak, canoe, boats, uh, mountain bikes, like dirt bikes, everything. Yeah, That's that's the sign you're in a place where people are enjoying themselves, you know? Yeah, that's true. There's a little more time for people to live. Yeah, I feel so. And of course the land, I guess. Yeah, that, that's definitely helps. But, um, so did you guys do some scouting, obviously check out the area, check out the rent because you, you guys haven't really lived in Oregon before, right? Oh, Either no. Um, God. Yeah. This was a total, just kind of move to a new town and see. And Ben definitely looked good to us. So, mm-hmm. so far mm-hmm. been fine. Yeah. Well, do you find yourself kind of like teeter-tottering around the game industry at all, like going to Kotaku, seeing who's doing what, <laughs> keeping tabs on your friends that are still in, like, hey, is this person still an asshole? Yep, yep, same old <laughs> Chuck, you know? Like, do you, do you have any of that going on? Yeah, well, unfortunately, that stuff just scares me, you know? It's one of those where it's like, that's why, I, you know, I think about it so much is, you know, I worry about other people that are having to deal with it and go through it and, so right now I'm just trying, I guess, not to really think about it up here. And um, I did finally get Game Informer again because I used to love reading that and uh, being, I guess, kept up on the, I don't know, I guess the hot games. I guess they don't really show everything. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, nothing's really been exciting me. I feel like they, they haven't really been making the type of games that I love anymore. and. Mm-hmm systems are just changing too quick or the games I do like are only on downloadable short, you know, made by small companies. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what is hot right now? (laughs) It's just just the same shit with the number behind it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, E3 happened. I mean, that's a big thing. Um, but you're saying it's all a committee spreadsheet with a number four or five behind it. <laughs> like I mean, I thought I, 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 there was something very introspective when you said that. It made me realize how funny it is when you go, you do go to, you, maybe you started a smaller company and when that smaller company becomes more and more successful, it does become like, you know, the game design is decided outside this the main studio because now you have like a whole corporation behind it and you know every decision matters to them so of course you get all these data and all these qa testers or uh, customer testers or five years you know what would it look like it gets complicated right and so mm. it really doesn't get any better as far as uh if your hopes are to be in a position where you can make creative decisions uh, based on your, your years of experience. It, it does not get better. I mean, I think at least for most people, I mean, I think that what you said is totally true, but uh, I feel like it could be way better 
with simple key people in positions like have yeah. an art director or creative director, someone that, you know, is maybe insanely talented in many aspects and proves it as well and can show it. And hopefully, yeah, I guess that's another thing is hopefully that person also gets respect at meetings, you know, when they go to these big committee yeah. or something, but God, if, yeah, if you don't have that, then the whole rest of the team, you know, 100, 200 people, good luck with that. You know, two, three years, you know, they're doomed. <laughs> I mean, what do I, what I hear often, Larry and I have been, at least with this podcast, interviewing a lot of people, it seems like the 17 year mark to 20 years are the time when people realize they can live a different life in a better way. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'll take a break. From the industry a bit well, and sad. discover and things. Like, I mean, I think, yeah, it's the sad truth is that we get burned out because we want to do something so badass and we want to stay at Like, I've always told my, you know, old people when I leave the studios, I'm like, I would have loved to even worked at home on stuff. But mm-hmm. it's just funny how you just all of a sudden become a number. And regardless of, you know, how good at work you do, you're still that bottom number. And mm-hmm don't get to really put yourself in it or because you know every game definitely needs all that extra time and attention but you don't always have to be behind your desk at work you know mm-hmm. you know on saturday you can be at home hopefully doing a little bit too <laughs> and maybe that'll save some sanity and push that 17 year mark down the road a little further but um I think for me, it comes down to people at the studio want to put in and they don't like it when the people that don't put in all of a sudden get to run the committees or Mm -hmm. push a lot of people around at the meetings and get away with it. Mm -hmm. So maybe that really burns, or at least I know that burns a lot of people out. There is no, like, I think that is a definite, so. Well, I mean, speaking of burning out, like in your 17 years, I mean, how many people have you talked to and, and what kind of situations were like, like, you know, at your 12 year mark, like, Hey man, I'm going to do and any crazy story where someone like just totally did something else outside of the game industry that you weren't expecting earlier in your career, at least like the first signs of like, this is happening and it might be me someday type of thing. Oh yeah. I can't really think on the top. Yeah. Like on the spot right now, but right. I know for sure I have had people like just completely switch their career or one of our old co- co-workers was even, I, I still chat with her and she was finally like, Oh my God, Colin, we're treated like slaves. I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you're still putting up yeah. with that. But she basically was like, yeah, I'm going to stop being an environment artist and I'm going to be a lighting artist. Okay. And I was like, okay, there you go. You just shifted your work to like a few hours a day of that, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how lighting goes and you got to wait for levels to kind of get arted up, you know, before you can yeah. do your start stuff. putting your time. In. And then you wait for the big. So yeah, it was- funny how like i was just watching another straight up insanely talented person that with the proper guidance could be another force to be reckoned with and here she is being like all right i'm gonna trickle my way down a little bit and Mm. just be another number and just yeah and it's like okay here we go again the burnout is so real but um 
Yeah, that's why they should, I guess, definitely pay more and give more vacation time or something. Or I don't know. I wonder if the people who have the Excel sheets can look far enough into the future and say, you know what, we're seeing a clear problem with this process, right? Like the juniors that we're bringing in aren't replacing the uppers as fast or developing into these level of talent, right? Because we're stifling the creativity of the people who could be the, you know, the experts, like you just said. And we're trying to bring in these people who we hope are just insanely talented and are going to let us pay them peanuts. But at the same time, it's not an even flow. It's like a a funneled flow. You know what I mean? So like, there's going to be a point where you realize that there's not enough people to replace what you need at a certain point. And then your product suffers, I would imagine. Right. Or is that wrong? And they're like, Oh, Larry, these developing nations are producing more and more of the people on the front end. So even if it's a funnel system, there's still so many people coming through the bottom that we're willing to, we're willing to continue to, you know, mess up the ecosystem of uh, employment. What, what yeah, yeah. Uh, another big factor too, is it's also nobody likes being that bad guy at work. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, finally, at the end of my career, I start having people being like, man, Colin, we need you back here. We need someone a little real to kind of say, say some shit that we want. I mean, not, you know, not I try never to bring it up in a bad way, but it's always like, hey, here's a, a you know, an issue. Here's a simple issue you know, or fix. You know? <laughs> but yeah. I look at like I'm a demon and it's like, you know what? There's multiple people that have this issue and I'm being the front man here. So you might want to handle this. <laughs> but that is a big thing is I feel like a lot of people are scared to just like bring it up. And then throughout their whole career at that studio, that person knows that they were the one that, you know, called this out or that out. And so usually they're like, all right, before I leave, I'll maybe say something. And even that doesn't happen usually. So well, like, things kind of just. <laughs> the reason why I would ask a question like that is because a lot of people who used to be married, men, I'll say, and I, I hate if this goes sexist, but I'm sure people have heard this term cheaper to keep her. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I would imagine a studio will pay less money and get better results if they had a happy person who went up through the ranks all the way to a senior or leadership position, right? Like they know the culture, they know the people, they care about the company, they're invested. Like it's a well-oiled machine. Why treat them bad, make them go somewhere else, get way more money and then become even more expensive if you ever were to bring them back. Or if you hire outside the company, obviously you're paying money to try to get them to come to your company, right? Like I'm assuming you spend way more money acquiring talent than you do developing talent, I guess, to just bring it all into a nutshell. What what do you think about that? You know, is that for me or for Brandon? Well, either if either one of you guys want to take a stab at that, it's just I know for a fact that when or I shouldn't say for a fact. It's it's been said when you go to another company, that's the best opportunity to get a pay raise, right or wrong. Yeah, right. So that means that companies that are hiring outside of their companies are usually paying a premium on the talent that they're bringing in. And And investing, yeah. And then companies have also have a problem with this guy used to be QA. We paid him $38,000 at that time. I have a really hard time seeing myself paying him $50,000 now. And so then that person goes off and gets 55 at some other company doing a job that they would have done for you for 50, you know, or. 
and then you you hire somebody who was QA somewhere else, right? Like who was doing the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. But now you're paying them a premium, thinking that like, yeah, this person is worth the money. Yeah, yeah. That unfortunately, I realized is like kind of almost everywhere. Um, but yeah, I don't know how they fi- fix that ever. <laughs> I guess well, like especially to our creative industry, right? Uh, I guess I compare us to the film industry the most because we're using practically the same programs. Um, but they have a different problem, right? Like I, I don't really know too many. Maybe they don't have long enough uh, stay at a certain company because all their jobs are going overseas, right? That's that's the kill to to the jobs in the, at least in the U.S. for for people in the film and visual effects studios. Everything is in Canada, and you know, no one's moving. A lot of people that I know personally. Uh, to switch career altogether because they don't want to move to Canada. They don't want to move over here. And the film industry itself, it's like month to month, right? There's like four month contract, five month contract and rarely hire full time. So, you know, Colin and I, Larry and I have worked with film guys who, who converted to, to games because we're the stable mm-hmm. industry. Right. Mm-hmm. But then we have this problem where we don't invest in talent. There's only a few places that i visit a few and if we're talking about like game companies all over the world right there's there's a lot but i'm talking about maybe within five to ten that i can confidently say that i've been through their studio and just the energy is a lot different like larry and i made a visit at unity recently oh man and um man it, it was just a very a creatively open type of place was i mean that? first of all yeah go ahead you also feel that it was just like, because I feel like that always gets lost when people realize like, hey, my lead or my director or someone is just a friend who they were like, we have no use for you, be a manager. Like, mm-hmm. Unity or any of these places seem like they're like, hey, everybody respects everybody. Um, the senior guys maybe get their voice a little more heard, you know, or something. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just like anything where the place reflects how the upper management people are, right? So if like nine out of 10, right? If you go to a place that have crappy leads, the owners suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's just the case. And so... I feel like at these fewer studios that have like a, a good vibe going, it reflects the, mm-hmm. the optimistic uh, owner or, or the guy who runs the studio. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, bullshit doesn't seep through as much when someone like that at the top is like, dude, I don't, I don't condone this type of behavior. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm still constantly going through issues. Like, why the fuck? I mean, that's actually he... <laughs> a real. I mean, I hate. I hope I'm not going off track here or anything. But um, I mean, I was at one studio too, where you know, five of us went. You know, had to finally go to HR because we were having a problem with uh, basically an artist that was just blocking us for months and work, <laughs> causing headaches, and you know, two years later and that person was still there and it was just like, wow, you know, they were like, wow, well, we got to build a case, you know, we're corporate. We don't just like, who are, you know, you five people, you know, (laughs) and it's like, 
And so you then realize you're like, okay, well, we're all going to have another nightmare for another project while you guys are figuring things out. And as usual, everybody trickles out the door while they're figuring things out. Yeah. So that's a great point of people need to kind of not be scared to handle issues sometimes or. Or at least lately, I feel like people are getting a little more um, scared of being sued or something or. Mm. You know, like losing bad, and it's like, why are you scared? You're just losing a crappy employee. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a thing that I'm still struggling to uh, get around. Like, there's definitely strong connections that I don't see. Right for for a person that doesn't seem capable of handling things, having enough department heads going to, uh, you know, to complain about it, and for for some reason that is unbeknownst to us like the guy's still there or the girl's still there and this happens a lot like i feel like a lot of the companies i work for there's always at least one person that you know isn't qualified and is causing uh problems mm-hmm. and then it, it it just doesn't matter how much mm-hmm. how much concerns or complaints or hey man the studio's gonna close down if you don't mm-hmm. fire this guy and, and, and for some reason it's like well, we'll close down. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what kind of sense is that? Yeah. No, it's a weird, that's another great point, man. It's like a weird psychology or whatever you want to call it that I just don't understand in the game industry is, yeah, they're like, we're willing to put this year and a half project through hell, <laughs> you know, just to know that it'll probably end afterward. And yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's a weird loyalty pack. I always joke around. It's like, is there some barbecue that I miss out every week? <laughs> um, back to um, Larry's though question about the money and all that too, really quick, is I almost feel like at some point also whoever has to know the most programs that work should maybe get paid a little more than the rest. Like, I mean, I hate to say it, but as an environment artist, boy, do we have to learn know. everything. Substance yeah. designer, substance painter, some sort of photogrammetry program and all this other <laughs> shit. And, yeah. I mean, Z-brush I do There's <laughs> a lot to learn, yeah. But yeah, it's just funny. I'm like, I got to know all this and constantly learn it. And ZBrush wants to always be fun and uh, constantly update and move buttons and, uh, you know, like yeah. with us. So it's like, yeah, it's just a uh, God. I... <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting there. It's like I should have learned Excel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get paid the big bucks. Going in production, <laughs> learn one program. My advice sounding now about just becoming, you know, like I mean, I I'm not ripping on design or anything, but I'm just saying, yeah, it's like sometimes you know, being a designer, you can still have a ton of fun, and designers have a lot of fun. Uh, and make a game, have fun, and then maybe make your own mini one with art after. Yeah, but but I have to say, you guys, you guys have fun, but there there are some bad apples out there that like destroy games. Mm. <laughs> it's so bad. It like has like Larry it has the design. So I'm still confused on the design interview process. Sometimes, like, has not gotten better? Where you can like can tell bullshit from like, what, what is the thought process when interviewing a designer? Because there's no portfolio that you look at, right? There's nothing of that sort. So there's, I guess it's, it's hard to immediately quantify somebody's design capability, right? 
you can okay. evaluate it and based on your evaluation kind of summarize i guess where you think their skill levels are but like i can't just look at you know like your resume and say like you've worked on these games as the designer so therefore you must be good right yeah. because it really boils down to their individual contributions and then how they think so I think the best design interviews are always ones where they just want to see how you think. Mm-hmm. What level of detail do you problem solve, right? Like, do you look for the easy way out? Do you fully evaluate your tools and see what's at your disposal and then try to articulate a very well thought out answer to my question? You know, I think those are some of the best design interviews that I've had personally. And sometimes those trick questions like, hey, if you had this and that, like, how would you get out? Like, I don't know. Like, some people just ask, like, you think it's a dumb question, but as you're answering it and you're like really planning out how you would like answer this stupid question, it like it really reveals a lot about your process. You know what I mean? Like they'll say, uh, you're trapped in a safe, the safe's underwater. How do you get out? What do you do? Like there may not be a right or wrong answer, but they're like, it's you uncovering how you think in that perilous situation. Like, do you acknowledge the fact that you may eventually drown? You don't have a lot of time. Do you, how far does he go into look or she go into looking at what they have available? Like, did they say anything about pulling out the cell phone to try to call somebody, at least letting them know I'm fucked, but here's my password to my bank account. Make sure my kids are good. You know what I mean? Like it really reveals a lot about your thought process. And sometimes it's those silly questions that really, I think help me evaluate another designer because it lets me clearly see how they plan out a situation. You know, um, the design tests, I think that don't really do well. It's, uh, I hate to say this cause I really like the guy, but like my, my test actually going into section, uh, I talked about previous game experiences and things that I did at other companies and things I was responsible for, but I actually didn't have to do like a demonstration of skill. Yeah, I'm happy. Right. Like one, I know I'm a good designer and I think that section knows that I'm a good designer because I'm still employed. (laughs) But I think that like it would have been good as for them to have the confidence like, hey, there's at least some sort of demonstration of your Mm -hmm. aptitude other than just answering interesting questions. Now, is that a level design test? Maybe. Is it me specifically walking you through my work and saying this is what I did? This is why I did it. Like even that's better than a design test, in my opinion, because it's showing the individual contribution, but also walking through the process, which I think is important. What I don't need to see is like you go make up some sort of half-ass level that I give you a week to do and you have a job already and I already know I'm probably not going to see your best stuff. Take me through what your best work is. Tell me how you got to that point and tell me where you started. I think I could make a great assumption on you being a good designer or not based on that. And you can do that in the interview. You don't even have to work 15 hour days, you know, trying to put together some sort of package to send to me. Oh, can I actually uh, bring a quick question up? Go ahead. I mean, I've only been to a few design, um, you know, interviews, but have you ever been to like a design interview where they actually bring in like um, notebooks with like creative ideas or stories or sketches of levels? Or do they just come in and just talk about games that they've all played, which have been the design interviews? Sure, that sure. So, so I feel like. Oh, yeah. No, no, good, good. Please, please finish. Uh, and then uh, just another random comment is I remember I love I chatted with Steve Gaynor back in the day because uh, I had a buddy that wanted to become a designer. I love the way he said it. He's, he's, he was like, dude, I had to learn Unreal and I built a level. And I'm like, that should be a great test for a designer. Like, can you actually learn a program and mm-hmm. 
of some items a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, so I have yet to go into a design interview where I've been presented like materials that mm-hmm. I need to take and then like on the fly, turn it into something like I've never been given like a book or like a, like, his. Oh, no, I, I mean, a designer brings in their ideas. Oh, like their work. Yeah. Like this is my sketchbook of stuff. No. So been working on. every single design interview that I've been a part of any sort of submission materials came along with the resume for us to evaluate when they do the first step of the application, you know, and then usually the in-person it's just, let's pick his brain. You know, I, I have yet to be part of or myself apply for a company that's asked me to like bring materials day of the in-person interview. Right what now. I will say, I guess oh, sorry. it's all right. Uh, talking about Steve Gaynor's idea of like, Hey, take this program, learn it and like make something. I'm not against doing like the level design test. Like it's cool. I've had some good ones and I've had some bad ones. Right. So like, I'll say my experience is middle of the row. What I think is like, Clearly, you know, my resume says like, hey, I've worked in, you know, this program and that program and this program and that program. I've shipped the game and I've done more than one level on each one of those games. So that should hopefully give you the confidence that yeah. I can pick up a tool set and actually do it, you know? Yeah. So, so to all the artists out there, the equivalent of that is like, dude, look, of all the game I ship, this is my portfolio, right? You can tell where my skill set is at. So instead of you telling me to go off and spend a month on your stupid art test while I, uh, you know, have a full time job. And it is like Larry says, it's not a real test of showing my best work. Right. Because you're just working late hours and all that stuff. It's like at best, it's just what you can squeeze out during that month crunching. Uh, so his I think Larry's response is very similar to the complaints that I've had personally and I've heard from other people it's like dude these art tests is our month long like what are you <laughs> it's just can't you just tell that i can make stuff <laughs> the only reason why i brought that, that I up i mean it wasn't like i don't know to like this or anything it's just that yeah. at every studio they're the ones that get to go to the creative meetings and like every yeah. level decides everything like, yeah. like when i said i've never been asked for concept except mm. for once you know it's like all the designers get to go and then the art team is just like handed Mm-hmm. So I'm always like, okay, these people must have some proof or something because I have proof here, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I work mm-hmm. on stories, art, everything. And so it's just kind of like I'd imagine that at some point maybe they could, mm-hmm. you know, like someone would definitely come in with more material. Like I'm a huge fan of like, uh, you know, the our old uh, college teacher emmerich's method like just literally come into the interview hand them like a pen a few paper clips a piece of paper and like hey make this fun (laughs) come up with some rules i'll give you 30 minutes and when i come back explain me the rules and we'll play that game like for me that explains you know how to think on the fly how to create rules you know limitations and create a fun experience with the materials I gave you and it kind of reflects, you know, level design, game design, system design, all that stuff. I'm just, I'm surprised that that hasn't been implemented in some way in a design interview where, you know, if the test is to see, you know, I I like the brain teaser stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing how you think, but I feel like at the end of it, it should be some type of like, here's some random things. Tell me a story. Uh, tell me the rules. Tell me how to play it, and we'll play it. 
and then I'll, I should know if you're a good designer or not by the end of it. I just think based on that experience, I'll just I'll step out on the limb and just say this, and I'll I'll say it for all disciplines and departments. If I send a resume and you've seen that I've made games and like you've seen my submission materials at that point in time, that should count for something. And I also think that like it's really it hurts the individual applying for jobs. Like if you think about if you put yourself not in the company shoes, but in the individual who's applying for job shoes, especially an artist, I could not imagine if someone was like desperate to like, man, this job I have is like I'm crunching too much. I need another job. And they apply. And then all these places are like, great. Can you do this week long art test? Right. Like your freedom, your way out requires you to do more of what you're trying to get away from. It's I feel like we we as a whole should be able to evaluate skill better than we currently do. I just wholeheartedly believe that. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's definitely been an issue with me to some extent is sometimes it seems like hiring happens very quickly, like a little too quickly mm-hmm. for a key position or something or just mm-hmm. another member. And you're like, wow, uh, we needed six people, but we still got five, even though we have six now. <laughs> yeah. So. It's a tough problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a tough problem or just like I said, like people just got to prove it, you know, I mean, I got to prove it all the time. And so I feel like, yeah, I mean, like you said, yeah, show what you did in the past and whatnot. Yeah, it's I know you, you take it with a grain of salt, right? Like it's it's hard for a company to say based on what you've done in the past, which may be vastly different than what we're doing. I'm just going to give you the okay, right? Like I I get it. It's hard to do that. You do want to see one, if they can work in a deadline two, how far and how clean and how professional they are. I I get it a hundred percent. I see why places do it, but the, the part that I guess has always bothered me is just like what we have in place for doing tests, art tests, design tests, it, it just, it really drains people, right? And it's, it's, there's no reciprocity. It's either you got the job or you didn't. And it takes so much out of you, you know what I mean? To like, let's say you have a family and you've got yeah. a kid and you've got like family responsibilities and then you have a long day at work and then it's like, oh shit, and I have to get this, this test done, you know? And you really want to do well on that thing. Like you could, man, it could really stress you the hell out, you know? Like it's... I, th- I think tests in general just gets tougher and tougher as you get more and more senior mm-hmm. and, it, and it gets more and more upsetting. It's like, motherfucker, yeah. <laughs> I've been working for the last 15 years. Yeah, I got to admit, you want me to make a problem? are really crazy too, man. Mm-hmm. It's like, you obviously don't have people on your team that know all this, like cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> but it really yeah, freaks a lot of people out when you read that. You're like, holy. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we're reflecting uh, on all these things in the industry, you know, looking back, yeah, I mean, were there points during your journey where, you know, you go in the office, you say something, you leave, you go in the office, you say something, you leave, nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. And then some young blood comes in and you see them like repeating the same step. I mean, does it, does it, I mean, how do you how do you take that? As in, like, oh man, I've done this before. All right, slow down, uh, <laughs> take it easy, bud. Have you had a lot of interviews with people that have brought that up, or? I just personally see it all the time. I'm at a point where, whenever something someone young 
you know, starts riling up over like, uh, you know, same problems I used to have and, but dealing in a different way, it, 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 it kind of just kind of makes me chuckle a bit, you know, it's like I, I reached that, goes that part where yeah, uh, absolutely no respecting. Like, um, yeah. like I remember when I was at my, at, at a studio, uh, I did a lot of concept pieces and, when we were getting ready to do DLC, they finally popped the concept of folder open. And they were like, holy crap, this one's awesome. Who did this? <laughs> anyway, that that became a level thanks to a buddy of mine that started modeling it. But it was funny because I had to sit there and I had to be like, oh, I drew this for you guys a year and a half ago. And I put it in this concept folder that everybody's been putting shit in. And obviously mm-hmm. nobody looked at it. Mm-hmm. Um. Thanks for the respect. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so just, hero. <laughs> uh, like you said, because I brought up a lot of issues and then you see like other people bring up the same issue and it's like, yeah, it's almost like nobody hears you or something like that or wants to hear you. Yeah, I feel like at a certain point and I, maybe this is why like a lot of senior guys break off and start making stuff with their friends. They just want to be heard. I mean, it's so much easier if I talk to you guys about my ideas and, you know, get the respect back because I, I do hang out with you guys after. And if there is disrespect, you know, it, it's pretty awkward as friends, you know, but like in a workplace, they can say no to you and just go home, have their lives or at worst, you know, just just fire you or something. <laughs> well, I like the idea of working with people that you let them do what they do, like. Like I've always said, I don't do lane swerving at a company. Like I don't ever tell a sound designer what the hell, you know, I think the sound should be like. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm here to do my job. Yeah. And I, I love doing my stuff and be given, you know, my respect and, a bit, you know, time to do it, which I never, you know, I mean, I, sometimes I did, but uh, I knowing that they're having fun and, doing there and i'm just hoping they're doing a good job you know <laughs> it's a lot of trust going on yeah yeah it's like when people are too busy lane swerving yelling about other things and then yeah you have like a crappy game for certain reasons it's like wow you guys should have been focused on your stuff a little more or something you know <laughs> so is that part of the frustrating part that attributes to burnout it's just like you can kick ass on the art department and larry and his friends over there messing about i have to say this man and larry disagree or agree i feel like every game (laughs) it's gotten it's gotten better i feel like every game the art department steps it up like i've never i like recently i haven't seen a game that art that is so bad where because it's too 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 to the publisher to the to the testers to everyone you can tell it's bad art. Yes. Right. You, it's like it's bad art. You can't sell. Oh. But then the game, there seems to be a, a lot more patience. It's like the team doesn't like the game. Well, that's not the audience. All right. The audience doesn't like the game. Well, there are other factors. It's like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> like, I can, oh. I can definitely jump in on this one. Oh, step in, step <laughs> so in. unfortunately for artists, right. I can look at a real apple and then I can look at the painting that you made of the apple and let you know if you did a good job or did a bad job. Right. Like like we can we can clearly see if art is fantastic or if it's not, even if people say like, oh, you know, it's it's opinion. But still, you know what I mean? Like there is it's tangible, you know, whereas design is completely experiential. Like someone can just we can just 
make up whatever we want and say, you don't get it. The emotion that I'm trying to build and like, there's so many ways to protect game design. (laughs) So like, yes, it is a lot less forgiving for the art department because no matter what, any person who has a set of eyes can look at what you've done and have an opinion on it and not have to experience anything other. There is no investigation. The shit doesn't look like an apple. So I'm going to say you suck as an artist. I don't Mm -hmm. care about style. I don't care about what tools you had. I don't care about, I can look at your final product and say, yay or nay. Right. Whereas Mm -hmm. design, it takes longer to explain it than to play it. You know what I mean? So like there's, there's so many ways I feel like design kind of gets protected simply for the fact or not even that design is protected but art is completely unprotected it's like either your art is good or it's not so therefore yes i do believe i can see 100 percent why companies are like hey we really have to live or die behind our art the shit has to be good it has to be legit because kids these days the customers won't give you three they won't even give you the time it takes to barely finish a tweet to judge your art you know what i mean like trailer comes out they see your trailer. They've already decided if the game is good or not. Haven't played it. Don't give a shit because the art and the trailer don't look good. They don't like it. Or the art and the trailer looks great, so they love it. You know what I mean? That's a great statement right there, too, man, where I feel, yeah, you know, um, got a little more art teams need to be given a little more credit sometimes because uh, I get when it comes to E3 or anything, that's where they're like, holy shit, we know we've been treating you like crap, art team, but no. <laughs> Step it up because you're going to be the face of our studio, you know, (laughs) playing the game yet. They're just looking at the product. And uh, that's where, yeah, we as teams, it's like, man, give us a style or something instead of what you guys are putting out there right now. So the first this is my frustrating part. Like to me, it seems obvious when you're playing a game, your team, right? To me, it's like when you're making a game with your team. The team has to sign off first. Everyone on the team has to love the game, mm-hmm. right? If before even putting it out there in front of like testers or like audiences, so what? So what? What goes on behind the closed doors of design meetings where it's like, all right, the team says suck, but we're gonna keep going ahead, right? Because it will, <laughs> it's gonna change somehow. So I still don't understand this idea where everyone's a gamer within the studio. And uh, everyone has a sound opinion of why, you know, if it's good or not. It, it feels like it shouldn't have to ship with a shitty game. Um, well, that's where it lacks that that strong, um, like I said, that strong, talented leadership role where they're like, I have a vision. That committee thing, you then deal with someone that points out a really cool style and then someone says, no, I don't like that. And then in the end, they're like, all right, well, we're just going to have to go with this average because all you – People think this is too crazy and this is too far out. And you guys, and that's where the whole big committee, like you said earlier, where once you get bigger, people just really start hating too much instead of working together and making a fun freaking project, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where, that's another tough thing is where do you find these people? Like I always felt like I can work with other people or bend or, you know, if mm-hmm. they don't like my idea, hey, We'll go with yours, but at least you also be a little flexible, you know, yeah. Flexible. And it's just weird how you you do get these not flexible people on teams and then it pisses off the flexible people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super yeah, chill. 
Maybe unchill. <laughs> I'm usually good. Uh, uh, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Looking back now, and obviously, uh, you know, it, you know, it, I hate to see Colin, someone as talented as you, not not contributing to the game industry, and I, I I keep seeing this a lot from like, especially now that I'm getting older and older, like a lot of my good friends that are super talented is just bowing out from all the stress you know the uh all the things we talked about like companies not investing in their talent you know trading in for cheap talent uh and then uh just not removing the people that are causing trouble for for whatever reason and just just sticking with it even though if the game isn't fun and the people who are making it are saying it's not fun. Like these are all like stuff that I see all the time uh, at every studio in some way or form. Like, of course the ones that aren't doing this planning and there's very few of them, right. That exist. <laughs> there's just seems so much more that uh, these common issues keeps coming up. I mean, is it part of, in your opinion, is it just, we're, we're still young as an industry where we're not learning this yet. Oh, I'm sorry, Brandon, to jump in, but I want to bring this up before I forget because we haven't brought this up at all. And I mean, I really, yeah. <laughs> I think when you talk about that too, I always forget one of the biggest issues when I'm in these big meetings and all that is there's no person guiding this meeting or, mm. or really being like, Hey dude, we hear your opinion, but man, this really isn't your uh, discipline or your mm-hmm. thing like or they don't even like section you out and go okay let's take some of our big hitters and pull them into a room later after we have our big group meeting and get feedback it's mm-hmm. so I, I hate to say it but i feel like there's also like producers and people that come in this industry and they're just like hey i got the world's best job um let's just have meetings and uh you know if someone's talking over totally telling one of our top talent, you know, like constantly talking over him, like I'm going to allow that. (laughs) Like, I hate to say it, but I feel like that was also an issue for me back in the day was just being like, wow, like who's, who's running this actually, you know, who's keeping tabs on people and being like, Hey dude, you're three months in with no experience. Um, We get your opinions, but now it's time to, you know, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I, I can read too late. No, I mean, we've been in situations. I think everyone here has been in situations where, like, uh, either environment design or whatever uh, discipline you are, like, pipelines are decided without you, mm-hmm. you know? And then you're just handed off and do this. It's like, wait, no, we we don't do this because I've done this many times before and this is why and it's like, no, no, you know, the engineer feels like they want to do it. Uh, environment art this way because it's easier for them. It's like, wait, I'm the guy who finishes this. <laughs> why, why are you deciding? Like, I'll tell you if it's easier or not. Yeah. So it's, it's just where it, again, it's the respecting disciplines Yeah, and the team mentalities. Like we all want to make a good game, mm-hmm. but uh, I think a lot of it, you know, the opportunists, uh, personality uh, kind of ruins that. And it's like, hey, man, I made a suggestion. I'm going to carry through it because this is what I'm going to show off when this game shifts. This is my idea. <laughs> but, like, if it, the game sucks because of it, well, you're not doing doing much, right? 
Yeah, no, it's all people just screwing over our yeah, whole studios. Uh, I mean, it does come down to, yeah, they probably just don't know how to work with each other or they're scared to, yeah, give you that due respect for coming up with that idea or something. Well, gentlemen, unless anyone has something that they want to jump in and say. I want to say one thing. I want to say okay, one thing. Go ahead, go ahead. So let's end this with your pre-retirement. Right, I'm going to say this, Colin, right now. It seems like you're loving life. <laughs> and as as soon as you find like some like Ralph's job, I don't know what you have in Oregon <laughs> that pays just enough <laughs> to maintain that life. I don't think you're coming back. It seems like you're just you're pretty good. So can you describe your typical day just to to tell those struggling uh, game developers out there what to look forward out there? Like what what were the you know the problems that you thought would uh you would be uh having like you were scared of like how it's completely squashed right now like what were they um yeah i don't know if i fit all of those though because like i said <laughs> also helping out yeah uh, but yeah my daily man god i i mean i used to love sleeping in because you know it became tough wanting to go to work but uh <laughs> Now I get up like anywhere between 5.30 and 7 and I just immediately always have little projects that I have to do because I'm trying to make this place like finally mine. Uh Where I'm like, hey, if I want this repainted, I'm going to paint it. If I want, you know, something done. But, uh... Yeah, so I pretty much just work all day. God, I enjoy the sunshine. I, I haven't even had time to go mountain biking or really hiking much, but we did float down the river a few times. But yeah, it's kind of my typical day so far, but I can't wait till my typical day is I wake up and I just totally focus and draw and work on getting Hazel finally published or somewhat finished. Well, I'd, I'd be looking forward to seeing what you've done with the comic when you're ready to you know, publish and promote it. So you're more than welcome to come back. (laughs) But with that said, my friend, I have to look at my watch and let everyone at the table know that we've been podcasting for over an hour and old friends of the podcast. We treat you no different. We treat you just like everyone else. This is your opportunity to talk directly to the audience, to shout out, promote, uh, raise awareness for something that is near and dear to your heart that you want them to know about. So Mr. Fogel, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, thank you. First and foremost, uh, thank you, Brandon and Larry, for having me on again. This was fun. Uh, definitely do a lot of editing if you can't. <laughs> uh, definitely want to give a shout out to my soon to be wife, Brittany. Um, All right, Brittany. What up? Pre-congratulations. A lot of family coming out to Bend, and uh, hopefully they all enjoy it and want to move out here, too. <laughs> Um, still love workaholics. I still watch that all the time on repeat. Everybody check that out. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could give shout outs to more, but yeah, I'm in no position right now. But uh Um Yeah, God. Good luck to you guys too. And the uh, oh and good luck to the indie game industry. I hope more money gets pumped in there because that seems to be where the cool stuff is. Uh oh, good luck to Jeff uh Spoonhauer and them. Um on a new um and uh yeah i hope i'm not forgetting anything jeez <laughs> they weren't that important so <laughs> to all the game companies i ever quit <laughs> <laughs> thanks for giving me that motivation <laughs> all right guys. well i checked the sound i checked it twice it's larry charles i'm saying good night 
This is Brandon Fab. See you guys next week. Uh, thank you. This is Colin Fogel. And That's we are right. wrapped. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.